I'm Viv. I'm the face behind Skin Farm Aesthetics in Stockton. And uh, I get a lot of questions about um, lip augmentation treatments from clients. So I thought I'd answer some of these with, um, with a video. And I've got a friend and a colleague um, called Claire, Claire Shaw from Butterfly Aesthetics in uh, Wakefield. And she's very kindly agreed to answer some of the questions with me. So I'll, uh, I'll let you have a word with Claire. Here's Claire. Hi, hi everyone, I'm Claire. Um, and I'm the owner of Butterfly Aesthetics. Great. Um, any anything to do with your work and what you do, Claire? What, what sort of stuff do you do? Um, well, I've been in the NHS for 22, 23 years. Um, I've recently left the NHS, although I do pop back in from time to time to do the odd shift, but mostly um, I'm full-time in aesthetics now. Mm -hmm. um, I've just recently completed my independent prescribers um, qualification uh, at Huddersfield University and I think I'll stop there with the studying for now. <laughs> right, <laughs> fair enough. Um, would you would you say you get a lot of lip augmentation questions more than any other treatments that you do? Yes, definitely, definitely. Um, I think um, lips are definitely my niche. I do enjoy doing other treatments and obviously I am trained to do other treatments and I like to think that I do those well, but lips is definitely, um, it's definitely the big part of my business for me. Great. I'm guessing it's the same for you as well. Yeah. Um, the thing with lips is it's, it's not an easy treatment. I don't think to do unless you've got a lot of experience and a lot of um, knowledge and skill to do it properly because so many people do it and I see a lot of botch jobs, unfortunately, and I'm sure you do as well. And I think a lot of the problems with lip treatments is to do with people just not feeling comfortable about getting them done um, because of problems that other people have had and things they've seen on social media, etc. Um, but you've trained to quite a high degree. I, I personally think you're probably one of the top lip augmented lip augmentation specialists in in the uk now you probably don't think that but i do um, <laughs> but give us an idea of where you've trained claire just like a little bit about where you've trained um i started off with my uh, my basic training uh, at skin viva around about four years ago so that was your basic toxin and filler um, and then I went on to Derma Medical um, and did a lip masterclass with them. Uh, since then, um, I discovered um, Julie Horn over in Oslo, had an academy. Um, so I invested quite a lot of money and time, obviously, um, to go and visit her over in Oslo um, and spend the day with her. Um, not only was it myself, it was injectors from all over the world, so it was international, so it was really interesting to meet other practitioners. Um, I've also done some training with Dr. Lip Beauty, and he's over in Rome. He's a very well-known plastic surgeon. Again, he's amazing at lips. Um, and I wanted to learn from these people because I love the way that their lips are really natural. Um, and they give very beautiful, subtle results. And that's what I want to try and achieve. Um, I personally don't like the big rubbery duck lip. Um, yeah. I think it can really ruin a person's looks. 
Um, And I see a lot of it about, unfortunately. So I like to think that my niche is the the natural lip augmentation. Great. Great. So we both... We both love doing lip augmentation work. It's my favourite treatment, without a doubt. And I'm sure it's it's yours as well. I'm sure you prefer doing those above any other treatments that you do. Definitely. Yeah, I, I love it. I, I really am very passionate about making sure um, that, that I do a good job um, with the lips because it's amazing how it can change a face. Yeah. Um, it's also amazing how it can influence other people, you know, your, your confidence as well, just by yeah. a really, really subtle and natural augmentation. Great. Okay. Um, so what we did, um, we posted on uh, Instagram and I posted on Facebook as well last week to ask um, followers um any questions they had about lip treatments in particular. So we put together the questions that we've had and um, there was quite a few different types of questions. So what I've done, I've organized them so they're in different categories. So I've put them together. I'll just get that up, I'll be one second. There we go. So I've put them together. Um, in three different types of questions. So we've got pre-treatment, we've got questions to do within treatment, questions about what's involved during a treatment, and also questions about post-treatment. So what I thought we'd do, we'll go through some of these and then we can talk about what we think um, to do with the answers to these questions, Claire, if that's all right with you. So um, first question, what's, what's the best advice you can give about getting a lip treatment would you say in terms of um, probably I think we probably both agree on this one that you have to make sure that you go to somebody medically trained um, yeah. it's important to do your research and find the right person um, I would also say that there are very very many practitioners um, and particularly non-medics that are um, advertising themselves as an advanced aesthetics practitioner. They'll say they're masterclass qualified, registered and insured. Well, not the registered, they'll say they're insured, sorry. Um, and that can sometimes fool people because they like the words and they think, oh, they must be good if they've done all this. Yeah. But really, anybody can call themselves that. Yeah. So yeah. I think the, the key to that is don't just make a natural assumption that if you see advanced practitioner or masterclass trained, yeah. that they are medically qualified. I think that's the most important thing that people should be asking. Um, do you have a medical background? Are you able to help me if something goes wrong? Are you able to help me if I have an allergic reaction? Um, it, you know, they're the sort of things that people need to be looking at, not just good, yeah. not just pictures and, and words on Instagram. Yeah. Um, mm we all know there are non-medics out there and I'm not here to slate non-medics. I've seen, actually see some good work from non-medics. Yeah. Um, but I think ultimately you need to make sure that somebody's able to help you in the event of an emergency or yeah. if something goes wrong a few days later, you need to make sure that somebody there is available to help you and, and swiftly too. Yeah. What about in terms of, um, you know, the cost. I, I've always said you get ultimately what you pay for because um, you see adverts on Facebook and Instagram all the time, you know, cheap lips, um, offers, share with a friend, etc. Pay 50 quid, 90 quid, whatever. And um, 
there's the people that are doing those treatments can be absolutely anyone there's nothing to guarantee they know what they're doing and I mm. see that a lot of the time and, and people say to me you know I went somewhere got a treatment not as good as I expected and it cost me 50 quid and I guess you get the same problem with clients same thing same thing to you ultimately I think you get what you pay for in terms of treatment yeah I think you know I'd have to agree with that as well you, you do get what you pay for you're not just paying for the product and people see oh 50 pound that's really cheap yeah. but they're not looking at the bigger picture what you're really paying for um in your whole treatment is you're paying for the practitioner's time their expertise um, the amount of time that they've invested in training and you're also um paying for aftercare as well so if anything does unfortunately go wrong um then obviously you are paying for access to that practitioner um, in the event of that happening so it's not just a case of oh that's a good price i'm you know 50 quid that's nothing you you really do have to consider other factors around that as well yeah okay um let's just go on to the next one age um client age what what do you feel about under 18s coming to you for treatment or clients of different ages basically what would you say i'm sure you've had problems with like 17 year olds or clients that say they're 17 and maybe a lot younger than that that say they've got like consent from the parents to have treatment um what would you what would you say to them claire um, it's something I get asked about a lot, actually. Um, I get a lot of 17-year-olds that are coming up to their 18th birthday. Um, they've been asking if they can book in before they're 18. They've got a letter from the mom or the dad, or they're willing to come with them and consent. Um, I'm, I'm afraid it's an absolute no-no for me. Um, yeah. My insurance itself um, does stipulate that a patient has to be 18. Yeah. Um, so I will turn people away um also um i'm also very cautious with 18 year olds anyway um even if i did get an 18 year old present um i always check their id um and you know i I will ask a i will ask a lot of questions and do a really thorough consultation to find out why they want it doing because i sometimes find that a lot of the young girls and i'm not particularly pointing out young girls but i do find that they tend to be just jumping on the bandwagon because the friends are having it done or their older sister and they look really good. So they might not necessarily have a real personal issue with their lips. They just want it doing for sake of it. So if it's somebody like that, I'd really want to question it a bit further. Um, But definitely in answer to your question, I won't treat anybody under 18 and I will happily turn them away. Great. Do you do do that as well? That's exactly what I do. Um, under 18 is classed as uh, children, they're not classed as adults. So legally, we um, we would end up in a lot of problems if we treated mm. um, a non-adult. So yeah, same same reasons as okay. Um So another question, do I need to do anything before a treatment? You sometimes get questions from clients, never had treatment before. They're not sure whether they need to do anything or, um, mm. you know, do, they might be on medication etc do they have to do anything do you, do you see clients in in that position do, do you actually mean sort of before they come through the doors or yeah it's sort of like what they might think you know they can go out for a good drink the night before or they can um, right. they can do certain right. things beforehand you know like you know about alcohol problems with alcohol and bleeding etc um there's yeah, different so I'd... 
I, I do I do advise not to go out drinking the night before, definitely, because obviously it can um, influence the, the, the amount that they bleed as well. Um, I don't particularly want them coming and having treatment if they're hungover, because that can yeah. present problems <laughs> itself. Um, you know, um, but I also will discuss if people suffer with cold sores and things like that, because if yeah. they suffer with a number of cold sores um, yeah. per year, then there might be a reason that we might want to give them um, a prophylactic treatment before coming. Yeah. So whilst you don't have to do anything specific, um, then yeah, I do advise those things. Obviously, if people are on certain medications such as blood thinners and things like that, yeah. um, then we don't want them stopping them because that puts them at risk of other issues. Um, so we're just trying to find out a little bit about the person, really. And, you know, we'll ask them if they're on any medication um, and we'll discuss that with them thoroughly. Um, yeah. Pre-consultation, sometimes we will do on people who are not quite sure or have got lots of questions or existing health problems, then we will obviously speak to them about that. But anybody who's normally fit and well, not got any issues, uh, no medical history, it is a case of um, making sure you don't go out and get drunk the night before, ideally. Yeah. Um, and fine. also try to come to clinic with no makeup on as well. Yeah, yeah. It's like just that. the makeup does cause a bit of a problem in terms of um, cleaning the face and being able to inject properly without risking infection. So, yeah, you must see it quite a bit as well, I'm guessing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um right let me just get that up so um clients that come in like for the first treatment ever with lips they they're not sure what to expect you know they're not sure will i just shove the full syringe of filler in do they have a choice do they can they ask me what they'd like me to do for them they've got no idea so what would you say in terms of uh in terms of being able to offer them different types of treatment when they ask for, for the lips to be done claire so when when you come to my clinic, I um, do my consultation and tell them, uh, advise about risks, side effects, what to expect from the treatment. And really kind of just before we're about to start, I will always ask somebody why they've come to me and what their um, intention is and what they want out of the treatment. So I don't just lay somebody back and start sticking needles in them without them having told me what their issue is or, or what they want to try and achieve yeah so i'll always be really honest with somebody so if somebody with really really thin lips comes in um with a picture of somebody who is a supermodel and they've got a natural gorgeous lip shape already might not even be enhanced it might be they might be fortunate enough to have that themselves and they're asking for that um yeah. Yes, you can request it, but it's very, very unlikely that we're going to be able to achieve that um, because they'll have a different lip shape um, and different facial features and things like that. So yeah. I will always ask somebody what they want first because I'm, we need to make people aware that some things aren't achievable and yeah. there are things that we can't do. We're not using a magic wand. Yeah. Um, and also what I do find is patients will often come with the expectation that they'll just need one treatment and one bam, they've got most amazing, beautiful lips ever. Yeah. So again, that's something that we need to be very honest about and say, look, if you're trying to achieve this amount of volume, um, yes, we might be able to do that eventually, but no, you're not going to get that today. Um, it's, you're going to have to invest a little bit of 
time and, and money into achieving that it's going to take a couple of visits yeah so yeah, yeah so I, I i will tell people you know i will say to them uh, quite honestly if i can or can't do it and then yeah. i'll give them the opportunity to, to to leave the clinic if you know if they feel that it's not something they want to invest in yeah yeah that's good let's have a look um could i be allergic to the filler um i get some clients that are very nervous about you know po possible in risks with having the filler injected um i tend to do a patch test on every client that i've not seen previously with whatever filler i use um so a small amount of filler just dropped onto their um onto the back of the wrist Let me just get myself up a small amount of filler just dropped on the back of the wrist um it can cause a a reaction quite quickly within about 30 seconds um mm. i do that just to minimize the risk of a, of a sensitivity problem you know should the filler be injected directly into the lip mm. never yet had a problem with it but it's just in case minimizing that small risk of it happening um that's yeah. what i tend to do just to minimize the problems later um yeah. it's it's just for safety i'm sure you you have that same problem and questions being asked by some of your clients about risk to do with the injections beforehand um, definitely something we ask uh, we speak about in the consultation um, yeah. risk side effects etc so it's always something that i mentioned to somebody um, i don't particularly patch test everybody um, i will patch test somebody who may have had a previous reaction to something um, yeah. or if I suspect that they might have a lot of sensitivities about different things, yeah. um, then I will, I will patch test them at that point, but yeah. I don't do it routinely. Right. Um, I usually feel like I might get an indication if they have an allergy to the, the local anesthetic that we put on the lips. Um, so I usually like to feel that if they're okay with that, they're probably likely to be okay to the filler. Um, but as always, you know, that's the beauty and the necessity of going to a medical practitioner because they will have the emergency um, medication and kit to deal with such an yeah. event. Okay, So great. Let's get the next one. I think you've gone through this already. How can I be sure about the person treating me? You've mentioned about um, checking on the person's background, healthcare professional um, I think we've gone through that already, haven't we? Anything? Yeah, definitely. Okay. I don't. I don't think people should be scared about asking. I get yeah. people like me, and I'm more than happy to yeah. show them my credentials. They come into my clinic. My certificates are all on the wall. Yeah. Um, you you should ask. You should ask. And I actually find it quite refreshing when people do ask me because yeah. I think you know you're really doing your research. You're asking the right questions. Yeah. Um, and if anybody. Um, you know gets uh no if, if any you know people shouldn't be um worried about asking and yeah. people shouldn't be uh nervous about responding to it either so yeah. i think yeah you should definitely ask people yeah and there's no harm in it whatsoever okay let's go next right um lip flip um i don't tend to do this very often because there's some issues with it but um it lip flip i'm guessing people know about fillers for lips with without any problem but there's other types of treatment that can be carried out on the lips and one of them is called the lip flip um it involves toxin um i'm not going to mention any brand names or anything but um it 
involves toxin into the area of the mouth where the muscle is around the lips and it can produce a flip. I don't know if it's something you do or that you you talk about, Claire. I've, I've done it a few times and I have had fairly good success with it, but it's probably not something that I really promote. Yeah. Um, because what I have found with it is the side effects of the toxin can often give you undesirable results. Yeah. I've even had a little play and done it myself just so that I could feel what it was like. What, and what I, like? I didn't like it at all. I found, um, and I only did uh, you know, a very, very, very low dose, but I just yeah. wanted to see what it was like. Um, I found with it that I struggled to pronounce my P's and B's um, without having to really think about it. And I felt extremely self-conscious about that as well, especially when I'm doing face-to-face -face consultations really closely to people. Yeah. And um, I just felt as though I had to really concentrate on, on my talking. Um, yeah. It only lasted that long for about probably two to three weeks. Yeah. But I was yeah. really uncomfortable about, uh, uncomfortable about it. Yeah. Um, other people do report um you know not being able to um sort of purse their lips very well very similar to sort of treating smokers lines and things with toxin yeah yeah i found the um the, the benefits don't really outweigh the the side effects from it really so yeah. i don't really talk people out of it but i will tell them about my experience of it yeah um, and most people kind of go yeah i don't think i want to be like that for a few weeks Especially if they're in the public eye or having meetings with people, or yeah, you know, yeah. front of house in their job, they don't want to be feeling self-conscious and covering their mouth up, which is what I did. <laughs> so fine. I won't be doing it again. <laughs> that's, that's fine. Um, right, it, gone through this already. If I show you a photo, can you make my lips look like that? It's it's the same yeah. as before. You know, everyone's individual. You wouldn't want to change someone's face to make them look like someone else when they they won't they don't need it and you can't just do that anyway and you've gone through that already but do you, do you see that quite a bit pictures of facebook or instagram brought in and someone says can you make me look like that i do yeah and I, I do get people come in that have screenshotted pictures of my work as well um and say yeah. oh, we did lips on such and such a person and i really like that um so you know i i will happily have a look because it gives me an idea of what that person's trying to achieve and in turn that's my opportunity to be honest then as well yeah. um i'm not the type of uh, practitioner that will promise something um and, and not be able to deliver it because it's not fair on them yeah. um that's likely to cause me grief as well in the long run so i just don't do it um so yes it does happen and i will just obviously say to somebody look they've got a different shape lip to you um your lips are a lot thinner or a lot smaller or a lot bigger or whatever they've got different size mouth um and what people also don't realize is we do have to take into account their other facial features as well you don't want to give huge lips on somebody who's got really small petite delicate features because they're going to really stand out yeah um and and also if you start making lips project further than they should be then it can alter all other aspects of the face as well yeah. so you've also got to take into account people's side profile i'll always look at the side profile I, look, I don't just look at the mouth and the lips i look front on you know sideways everything i take everything into account um so they're the sorts of things that a lot of people don't consider they just yeah. come in and think i want my lips doing yeah. um 
and bring you a picture and sometimes you you know you just have to be honest and say yeah or nay we can or can't yeah 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 that's fine that's fine uh let's see what else sometimes you get cold sores you mentioned a bit about that um cold mm. sores can be a problem in certain individuals those that particularly have had treatment before and have come out with cold sores but um i'm guessing you well you you've You've specialised in work to do with this, I think, in part of your prescribing course, haven't you, Claire? I did, yes. <laughs> so, yeah. I did choose to do one of my uh, case studies on cold sores in aesthetics, yeah. yeah. Um, so, I obviously, it's a given that if somebody presents with a cold sore, then they can't have treatment. They can't have treatment anywhere on the face, whether or not it's toxin or anything. I just won't treat them. Um, it's yeah. just a, a risk of infection. Um, but if somebody is um, if somebody is uh, prone to cold sores and gets a couple of cold sores, you know, several times a year, um, then I think it would be wise to give them a course um, of medication before having the lip treatment, and it will cover them for before the lip treatment and for a few days afterwards as well. Um, um, but if somebody just got one cold sore a year. I'd probably, you know, just say to them that it is a risk. There is a possibility that having the treatment, you could develop a cold sore. Um, but obviously I would expect them and I would ask them to contact me in the event of them getting any sort of blisters, vesicles, um, tingling, you know, early onset. Yeah. Um, one thing that I always ask people to do as well, I always ask them to contact me if they feel like they're getting a cold sore anyway. Yeah. Because... Um, having blisters on the lips can be an early sign of other problems and um, so i wouldn't just like to make a natural assumption and say to somebody oh sounds like you've got a cold sore go to your doctor or pop in to see me later when you can um i would always ask a lot more questions around it and get them to come in if i had any concerns yeah. because i don't just want to make an actual assumption that it's a cold sore and yeah. and something you know far more sinister that we would need to act on quickly so so clients basically the they can trust individuals like us you know to be able to look at not just their aesthetic treatment but to look at look at everything around having it done as well mm -hmm. um, yeah. which is one of the reasons for going to healthcare practitioner after all right Definitely. Okay. i think if somebody's got a cold sore um so if somebody suffers with cold sores and they contact you after you know 24 hours and say got all these blisters on my lips it, it would be very easy for anybody to make a, a natural assumption oh it's because you've had your lips done therefore yeah. you're probably getting a cold sore yeah. but you have got to think about other things and yeah. think outside the box sometimes and I think that's where it's important that you can't just make that you know not you can't just make that natural assumption that that's what it is you have yeah. to consider other areas as well okay Definitely. Great. let's just see what else we've got um, I see posts about someone doing offers, sharing a meal with a friend. Is it worth it? I'm sure I know what you're going to say about that. <laughs> yeah, that's something I get asked quite a lot. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, people um, are, are very driven by money these days and, and going on cost of things. And we've obviously had this conversation about your, you know, your, your 50 quid a meal uh, filler and things like that. Um, people will ask if they can share a syringe with the friends to make it cheaper yeah. um that is an absolute no from me um it's a huge huge risk of infection 
Um, it's just not something that we advocate or we practice at all. Um, syringes of filler are for one time only. Um, so once that, that has been taken out of the packet uh, and used, um, it's not going to be sterile uh, for use on even yourself. So, um, you know, some people also ask if, can I have half a mil today and then come back in four weeks and have the other half? I want to buy the mil because it's cheaper. Um, To do it that way, again, that is a no from me. Um, Once you've used it, if there's any left, it goes straight in the bin. Yeah. Yeah. You have to practice, you know, sterile treatments. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, I guess. Yeah, exactly the same. I wouldn't reuse um, the same treatment for even the same person. I certainly wouldn't share any uh, treatment with anyone else anyway. So, yeah, exactly the same. Um, can I have lip fillers whilst breastfeeding? Somebody asked. So I'm guessing uh, I'm guessing you, um, you, you, I don't tend to see many clients that, are, that have been breastfeeding, but for me, no, it's just one of the contraindications for treatment, unfortunately. Um, pregnancy and breastfeeding both um, reasons for not doing um, lip filler treatments and any other aesthetic treatments as well. So I'm guessing that's the same for you as well. That's the same, yeah. Yeah, I won't treat anybody who's pregnant or breastfeeding. And I always make sure I ask as well. Yeah. Okay. Last question about pre-treatment. Someone lives in Leeds. Where should they go to get the lips done, Claire? Now, (laughs) I... uh, I thought it depends how far away you are from me and Claire. <laughs> That's what I would say. <laughs> You've got a short journey across the Transpennine up to Yarm, and I'm not far north. And then you've got Claire south in Wakefield. So I basically say go to either one of us if you live in Leeds and want your lips doing. Um, and I'm also opening up again in uh, in Leeds as well in are July. You? I am. So I'd say come to me in Leeds. <laughs> All right. If the, if you don't open up in July, then come to me and they live closer to me than come north instead of south. Then is that all right? Yes, cool. <laughs> right. Let's have a look at the other questions. So these next ones are in lip in treatment questions, not to do with once the treatment's being done. Is it painful? <laughs> See, hear that all the time. Is the treatment painful? What would you say? Like, I've never had a lip treatment done, unfortunately, but. You may well have done. So what would you say about the pain if somebody asked you about how painful it is? I always say um, that it's one of them things that it's, um, you're putting a a needle, you're putting something sharp into a very, very sensitive area of your face. So it's not going to be an absolute walk in the park. Um, What I would say is... um, we do use a very strong numbing prescription um, numbing cream, um, which does make the treatment a lot more comfortable. Um, obviously, as experienced injectors as well, we will try and minimise the discomfort because we don't. When we we're not sort of we're not slow. Um, I always think that some people can really take the time when they're having the lips done and really make it quite a painful experience. But yeah, yeah. I'm not suggesting that we rush or yeah. jab and snab and things like that. But yeah. with more experience, you do get a bit quicker to get the you know the the uh, results that you want to try yeah. and achieve. Um, so I always tell them it's probably going to nip a bit 
yeah it, it all depends on people's threshold as well the pain threshold yeah, i find yeah. some people don't blink an eyelid yeah. um a lot of people just get really worried and worked up when it's the first time but yeah. once they're actually into it they're like oh it's fine it really wasn't that bad and most people do be fair to be fair will say it wasn't as bad as what i imagined for most people it's the first time and it's the unknown for yeah. most people um you get when they come back for the second and third time you know they just walk into it and they're not concerned or worried at all they know they're in good hands yeah the yeah. numbing cream is very good it really does help um and obviously you know if they want a break and they want a minute they can have it yeah that's fine okay. i i tend to use ice as well a little bit just before starting injections because the the ice helps to mm -hmm. um reduce the sensitivity you know makes it less sensitive the area and it reduces bleeding as well so i tend to use a little bit of ice compression just to make the uh, whole process a little more bearable yeah definitely much. helps yeah okay scared of needles can help as as, as you said it's really about gaining trust in the in, in the practitioner doing the work um after the first time i tend to i tend to see clients without any problems with nervousness they tend to be quite happy happier than they were the first time but it's always tricky that very first occasion when you don't know what to expect so anything you can do to make the make them feel more comfortable play music um just let them let them lie back just just listen to them basically before you start i tend to i tend to find them feeling much more comfortable after that first treatment um there's some clients i have you know they've been scared of um, going to the dentist before they've come to have lip treatment and they've been um, they've needed sedation before going to the dentists you know with diazepam and i've carried out some work not lip treatment but other work filler treatments and they've picked this one particular lady she after she had two rounds of uh, marionette line treatment under the mouth she's no longer worried about going to the dentist she's um, far happier um with dental work now she's not no longer needs sedation she can go there without any problems so as healthcare professionals we we can try and be careful about the way we do things and we're able to you can speak to us you know if you're worried about things you can always speak to us before we do anything for you which i think is the best way forward for all mm. clients and um, treat definitely. them with respect and uh, listen to what they've got to say yeah definitely i'd agree i mean i do get quite a lot of people that are, are, are needle phobic um but they they get through it absolutely fine it just you just got to be patient with them yeah um, and not rush them really i think um yeah. i've I've only just had one girl um, fairly recently, really, uh, obviously before uh, we closed due yeah. to COVID, but I just refused to treat her because every time she, I came near her with the needle, she started to sweat and she started to shake. Um, and no amount of patience in the world, uh, you know, would have made her feel better. So yeah. in the end, it was my decision to say, look, I'm sorry, I don't feel this is suitable for you. I'm not prepared to put you through this. Yeah. Um, it didn't feel it, it didn't feel ethical it didn't feel right so in the end I didn't treat her and um, you know she, she left the clinic without being treated but yeah. um, sometimes people just can't do it and yeah, it's, yeah. Not our, it's not our place to force somebody yeah but generally most people are absolutely fine with it yeah. yeah I even have some people who don't like the anesthetic and they just want to be able to have the treatment because they're not bothered yeah god knows how but they do it um <laughs> but yeah, 
so some people actually enjoy the sensation yeah yeah it's it's just that you it, it's being being as i say being healthcare professionals people can always talk to us and tell us what they think and whether they're worried about something or not we can always put the minds at ease and i think in that way they're they're more likely to trust us you know with treatments in the future um so okay that's great let me just get the next one off which what's the best filler julia asks that all the time <laughs> what, what do you say to that one <laughs> what would i say i'd say it depends on the individual there's no one filler for me that does everything there's so many different fillers around and they're not all the same there's juvederm there's t-cell there's restylane there's revelax there's there's must, there must be about 20 30 40 50 maybe fillers around that we can all use without any problems and they aren't all the same. They, they all include the same type of ingredient, most of them, high hyaluronic acid, which is the filler. Um, but they vary in how thick they are and how long they last in what they can do to the lips. Some, could, some are for volume, some are for more shaping. And it's affected by someone's age. You know, people, clients are, are not all in the 20s. You get women that are in the 40s and 50s. Mm -hmm. And fillers for them aren't going to be as effective and won't work the same way as they would for someone in their 20s. So there isn't one, for me, there isn't one best filler for everyone. Everyone needs their own filler based on what they're after. So for me, I use fillers based on what the need is. I don't think of fillers as being better than others. They're just different. That's how I see them. Um, what, what do you think? I feel the same actually. I don't feel that um, fillers are a one size fits all. Um, I, I see many practitioners that will just stick to one brand um, or I'll get somebody in particular that says, I want this brand because my friend has it and her lips are amazing. Um, that might not necessarily work amazing on, on her. Um, yeah. So I do stock a very, very wide range. I do stock the premium fillers, yeah. um, but I will always tailor what filler um, I want to use to the patient and to what their desires are and whether I can achieve it. Yeah. So if I get a mature lady who comes in with very, very thin lips and very, very fine lines, I'm not about to use a filler that's very, very thick um, that will alter her lip shape um, yeah. and make her look silly. So I would choose to use something a lot softer um, and that would be how I make my choice. Um, if you have um, a young girl who comes in who's naturally got quite big lips, but for whatever reason she wants them enhancing, you wouldn't necessarily choose a very, very soft, fine filler on her because she's not going to see any difference. Yeah. Um, she's likely to walk out disappointed. Yeah. So you might want to think about using something um, a little bit thicker so that she gets the amount of volume that she needs. Um, there is a big misconception that if you've got really big lips, oh, you, I, I just need 0.5 and that'll be fine. That's not the case. It's actually the opposite way. Um, so you would need something a little bit thicker to, to give her the result that she wants. Yeah. So, yeah, there is no one size fits all. Yeah, that's that's what I'd say. But I'd, I'd say also the, um, the types of practitioners that only ever use one filler, it, a lot of their, their techniques and their abilities boils down to their training. You know, if they haven't come through the types of training that we have, 
they may mm. well not have any idea about what filler to use and um, how suitable it would be for someone in particular so if someone only ever uses one filler for everyone i'd, I'd be wary of that I'd, I'd think you know do they actually know what they're doing that's me personally mm. yeah I, th I think some people are just trained in one and and that's all they think that they can use yeah. um so but yeah venture out into um into different uh you know training um places and and see and and try different fillers and you yeah. know see, see what you like i'm sure you have your preferences of what ones that you like injecting and ones that you enjoy working with and i'm the same i yeah. do tend to stick to the ones that i know are really easy to inject um yeah because you're likely to get better results than, than a filler that you're going to struggle to get out of the, out of the syringe through the needle. Um, so yeah, I, th I think it's important that you get a practitioner that is able to, again, think outside the box of just like, this is what I stock. This is what I've got. I'm going to have to just use what I've, what I've got here. Yeah. Okay, great. I'll get the next one up. Let's see. Um, <laughs> which lip filler techniques do you use? I'm guessing this is one of uh, one of our competitors has probably asked us this, Claire. So, what, what would you what would you say to that? <laughs> um, I use a wide range of techniques. I, I don't yeah. again. I don't just use one technique on everybody because yeah. we're all so different. People want different things and need different things. Yeah. So yeah. you might get a patient that particularly just needs height on their lips. Or they'll come in and they'll say, I don't want a duck trout pal. They don't want the projection of yeah. the lip. But what they want is the height of the lip. Yeah. That would instantly tell me, well, this is a certain technique that I need to use yeah. rather than another technique. Yeah. Um, there's all sorts of different techniques and, and weird and wonderful things you can do on the lips. You know, um, But yeah, th there are people out there that simply just do what they've been trained and, and, and that's fine because they shouldn't do things they're not trained on. But obviously the more training and the more experience you've had, then you're likely to put all those different skills in, it, it, you know, into every, every one of your patients yeah. and to be able to offer them different things that you might not be able to when, say, for example, you first started out, um, yeah. for example, asymmetry. Um, it's something that I never promise that I can correct because yeah. again, I don't want to over deliver and um, make somebody think that I'm going to do something that I can't, but there are certain techniques that you can try and can use to correct or help improve asymmetry, yeah. but there'll only be a few techniques that could do that. So obviously again, that's down to um, experience and a, a wide range of using different techniques to try and do that. Yeah, that's fine. Great. Um, you've actually covered those questions for the in-lip treatment, the questions that we've got. So I'll go to the next ones. Um, Post-treatment questions. So these are questions we've got asked following treatment. Um, so what is the recovery time? Um, what do you tend to say to clients about that, Claire? Um, I always say to them, uh, on average, um, sort of, 24 to 48 hours is where you get the most significant amount of swelling. Yeah. Um, and ultimately I usually say as well that we never truly see the end result till about two weeks. Yeah. So if somebody was going to a wedding or a really important function, um, then I would always say, give it a few weeks before 
um, it's something important like that if you're going to have photographs taken, have people looking at you, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but if you know some people um, are not so concerned about the swelling, so if they're not concerned, I usually just say sort of three to four days is where you see the most drastic results. So you get that's where you get the most amount of swelling. Yeah. Um, if you're going to get any bruising as well, then obviously um, that's going to be apparent. Um, so generally I say, um, two weeks for the end results for everything to fully settle. And that's the swelling. Um, that's the bruising. Um, also some people will swell more on one side than the other as well. So somebody may feel, Oh, I feel like you've put a bit more in one side than the other. Again, yeah. we always say to people, give it a couple of weeks to fully settle because sometimes there might have just been a little bit more trauma on that side than the other. Um, so um, we don't re really sort of revisit that until a couple of weeks after when we know that the lip has fully settled. Yeah. Okay. So we'll look at the next one. Um, you've covered that a little bit already. How big, how oh, big yeah. lips get with how a big will my lips get? How <laughs> it is. It's just like you see different clients with different amounts of swelling over the next few days. You get mm -hmm. you get a message like the following day, oh, my lips are just huge. And when clients are lying down, you get some fluid retention, you know, because they're asleep and they're lying on the back. And that tends to drain away within a day or so. I don't tend to see many problems after that. Mm -hmm. But um, with working weekdays, I suppose clients, I tend to sometimes treat clients on a Friday evening or a Saturday morning, and it gives them a bit of time to recover over a couple of days before they go back to work. So that's the type of advice I'd give to clients like that. I'm guessing yeah. you're saying. Definitely. I definitely get the most amount of swelling in the first couple of days, but that's generally gone by a couple of days. Yeah. Um, like you say, the, the morning after is usually the worst yeah. uh, with laying down and gravity. But we often find that um, by the time it's come to the end of the day and they've been moving about and got everything, you know, the lymphatic system and everything going again, usually the swelling has subsided pretty dramatically by then. Yeah. That there are lots of girls that love the post-treatment swell um, yeah. and you know sadly it does go but um, some people it can be quite frightening when they see it the next day and, and that's something that I will always explain really well um, yeah. you know if you're living with somebody or they don't know you had your lips done they wake up next to you the next day and they're huge you know you're going to have to um, tell them that it's just swelling and, and that it will go I've even had a couple of girls message me saying, I haven't swollen. Is there something wrong? So that just goes to show how yeah. everybody is really different, where the swelling's concerned. Some people just won't swell that badly. And then you'll get yeah. others that, you know, can really, really swell. Yeah. It tends to, for me, it tends to be most prom prominent the first time a treatment's carried out because the body's never got used to the filler. It's never had the filler there before. So I tend to see more swelling on the client's first treatment, assuming they use the same filler the second time. Um, mm. I'm guessing might be similar for you too. You might see most on that first occasion. Um, I've never really thought about it really. What, what I do notice is I think if you have your treatment quite late on at night as well, it's often worse the next day. Um, yeah. So um, yeah. Okay. Let's have a look. How long will it last? I'm guessing that means how long will the filler last overall? Um, I suppose it depends on, you know, the filler that's used, the actual person getting the treatment, things like 
medication, uh, medical history. You can have different breakdown speeds of the filler over time for different people. Um, generally, I tend to say six months is like an average time. It can be quite a lot longer. It can be quite a lot less. Um, what do you what do you tend to say for most of your clients about how long it will last? When it comes to lip filler, um, I usually say anywhere on average. Um, four to six months when it's your first time yeah. that's just an average figure um because obviously everybody is um everybody's metabolically different yeah um i do cover things that might break down the filler a little bit quickly uh than you know in in one person and not another yeah. um i will also um advise that if it's the first time you're not likely to get a huge amount of volume as well from the filler. So it might not be particularly noticeable to them when it's the first time, because we spend a lot of that first time shaping, um, creating the definition um, and basically just putting the foundation down. Um, so it's usually the second treatment that most people notice the amount of volume that they get. Um, people very quickly get used to seeing themselves with filler as well. So you, it's fairly common to think after three or four months, Oh, the filler's gone. Um, I want to book in again. Um, and obviously when they come to the clinic, it's still very apparent that they've still got filler in there. Um, that they just get very used to seeing themselves. Um, so generally four to six months, I say, especially for the first time, obviously the lips are, it's a very metabolically active area. Uh, mouse always on the go um so it is going to break down quicker than say for example they have it done in the cheeks or the nose yeah. where the filler can stay put for quite a long time okay. so i usually advise that and then uh, um if it is somebody who is wanting to build up volume then i will advise um a treatment um probably in about eight weeks yeah that's when they notice the more, more noticeable difference if they are trying to build up a little bit of volume great Okay. Um, you've covered some of this already. What are the main issues I can expect after treatment and what can I do to help? Um, I, I like tend to give um, aftercare info, you know, to clients just so they know what to expect and what they can mm. do. Um, as you've said, swelling, it's always a problem for the first few days in particular. Minor risk of bruising. Um, you always get clients that are worried about a little bit of bruising that appears after a day or two. Um, I tend to suggest, you know, using arnica, just using small amount of arnica, to, arnica cream or gel to apply on, on, around the area. It just helps to minimise the bruising, worsening over a couple of days. Um, mm. Is there anything you'd say about that, Claire? Um, I always, uh, I, I recommend uh, pineapple juice as well. Which yeah, is, pineapple uh, juice. Yeah. It's a, a natural way of um, of helping with the swelling. Um, um, so that that does help a lot um, yeah. for people that might not want to take, you know, tablets or anything. But arnica is a big one for me. I always, I mean, I I do actually sell a little pot of Zoe Balm, which does contain arnica in it for yeah. uh, for the post treatment swelling um, and bruising. And I really really like that. So um, I do promote arnica definitely yeah okay great and have a look what else what happens if something goes wrong and i don't like how my lips look afterwards um i don't tend to have too many problems like this i'm sure you don't either but i get clients who um 
who actually come to me having had this problem from being treated elsewhere. So what would you say to someone about whether, you know, something needs to be done after a treatment's been carried out? What, what would you tend to say about that? Um, if I'd carried it out? If you are generally in your own, in your own experience, your problems tend to be problems from somewhere else that you're fixing i'm guessing i don't think your problems are caused by you directly i think yeah. most of your problems in mind definitely are problems from other people having been treated elsewhere um but whether it's yours or someone else's work what would you say to them what would you say if they had a problem if, some, if somebody came to me with a problem with their lips that somebody else um had treated yeah um i would be very cautious about retreating them uh, and adding to the problem so i feel that if people come with existing lumps bumps asymmetry overfilled anything like that then i do advise that we start again um right. and i would suggest um dissolving um the the, the previous filler um, before i start with anything i'm not about to add on to uh more treacherous work that that i sometimes see um if if I created a problem, um, and I'm not going to lie, sometimes things do happen. Sometimes people do get lumps. It might not be a, a fault of my own, but it, it can happen. Then obviously I would do everything um, I could to rectify it, whatever that may be. doesn't necessarily mean that you've got to have your lips dissolved. There are other things that we can do. Yeah. Um, but definitely I, I, I won't just add on to other people's, uh, to other people's work. Um, I think if they've got lumps and bumps and things like that, you're only going to make it worse. Yeah. Um, people do say to me as well, oh, what if I don't like my treatment? Is there anything you can do? Yeah. Yes, at the end of the day, if you really, really dislike it, then um, that there is dissolving option. Um, yeah. But it's certainly not something you would just do willy-nilly. Um, yeah. You would just obviously say to them, it's very unlikely um, you're not going to like the treatment. And most people to be fair it might just be a little bit of panic when they see the swelling because instantly it's like oh they're probably just a little bit bigger than what i wanted yeah um but that's you've got obviously got to reassure them then that's swelling um it will go down um and luckily i've not had any issues yet i've not had to do i've not had to dissolve my work yeah yeah no same thing there was just that next question was about when can it be done um in terms of you know uh, dissolution and reversing the problem um it, most of the clients I see, well, all of the ones I tend to see are, are problems with botched treatments done elsewhere and they'll need reversing and starting again. Um, and I tend to see them maybe a few months after they've had that treatment done elsewhere. So for me, treat, reversal can be done at any point, but it's difficult to guarantee the outcome of that. It doesn't always work or it doesn't work in one go. So mm -hmm. what, what do you tend to say to them? And also, there's the issue of, you know, some clients just aren't suitable for it. They can have problems during during a patch test, which we're supposed to do with um, with the treatment before we start dissolving. We're supposed to check to make sure that it's not going to cause a problem for them. What, what would you say to someone like that um, in terms of timing? You know, when can they have a treatment done? And would it be, would it be beneficial if they want a reversal doing? Um, I'm, I'm like you, I'll always patch test. I patch test everybody. Um, yeah. I know there are some arguments about whether you should or you shouldn't, but um, 
I always want to make sure that I've covered all bases and done everything I possibly can really to ensure that, um, you know, I'm, I am trying to minimise risk for people. Um, if I'm um, dissolving work myself, I do explain to people, especially if they have been elsewhere, yeah. uh, if they don't know what filler is in their lips, it doesn't always dissolve first time. Yeah. Um, there are some poor people out there as well that are told, oh, this is what you've got because they, they like them to think that they're using a premium brand where clearly um, they haven't got that particular brand in. Um, yeah. And it's something that might be a little bit more cheaper or more difficult to get rid of. Yeah. There are some fillers that really, really do stay put and we struggle to dissolve. Uh, and uh, there have been, I have had a number of, uh, of ladies that have taken three or four attempts to fully get rid of it yeah. um, because of the work done by previous uh, practitioners and, and we've just no idea what was in there. Yeah. Um, so we do have to warn people of that um, because it's very common. I want my lips dissolving. I'm going on holiday in two weeks. I want you to make them right before I go away. You know, it's really important for us to say that that yeah. might not happen. You might come back to me in two weeks and you might not have, you know, you might still have filler in there. It might not have all gone. Um, so we do have to advise people that they may need um, a series of treatments before we can get round to, you know, ultimately yeah. redoing them and getting them back to a better place. Okay. Great. There was another question going on from that. Had my lips done elsewhere, hit them, but the nurse won't dissolve them. Whoever's actually done them, I'm guessing they mean. Um, why? Um, well, for me, well, for you as well, the dissolution involves a prescription medication item, which can only be prescribed by a prescriber. So if someone else can't do it for whatever reason, it might be because they aren't a prescriber or they aren't trained to do it. Um, have you have you had questions like that from other people asking you why someone else wasn't able to do the dissolution for them, Claire? Um, yeah, I, I had a couple of times. I think I have come across it where people have. Um, I think they've just been probably fobbed off more than anything. I don't know whether it was uh, another nurse or um, a non-medic, but some people just don't like to take responsibility um, yeah. for maybe causing a problem. Um, so I have had instances where people have contacted me and they've said, I, I've asked them to dissolve and they won't do it for whatever reason. Um, that's not really my place to go delving into yeah, why they yeah. won't do it. Um, yeah. So I never really get to the bottom of, of why I can only assume yeah. that they don't want to either take the risk or they're not prescribers or, um, you know, there's the, the, some other reason why they won't yeah. do it. it. It might be a confidence thing. Some people yeah. um, are very worried about uh, dissolving lips because, um, we're taught to do it in emergency, yeah. um, but not everybody chooses to do it electively because there yeah. are risks associated with it. Yeah. So possibly that might be a reason why they don't want to do it. They might have had a bad experience with allergic reaction before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know, but um, yeah. I know when I do it, I always do everything I can to minimise risk and I've got any doubt whatsoever, I won't do it. Yeah, okay. That's fine. Um, another question, if you've had lip fillers for a while, then decide to stop, do they go back to normal? Um, 
I've, I've, most of the clients, well, I, I don't know any clients that haven't carried on with treatment actually. So it's difficult to say from experience, but um, it depends on the treatments that have been carried out, I'm guessing. If the fillers have been used extensively, large volume treatments have been used ongoing, there's a risk the actual um, the tissue can, can stretch, the actual tissue can stretch a little bit. And if it stretches excessively for a long period of time, there's a risk that that will become floppy should the actual filler volume gradually drop down to, to nothing. There's always going to be some filler there over a long period of time, but if it drops down significantly, I'm guessing there is a risk that the actual lips can end up looking a little bit floppy. Um, have you ever come across any clients like that that have stopped after a long period of time? Um, I've, I can't say that I have, but I have come across um, a lady who came to me with, um, she actually booked in to have her lips dissolved because she'd been to another practitioner. Um, she wasn't happy with the outcome. She had a lump and they did actually dissolve it for her. Um, but when she came to me, she felt like there was still some filler present in her lip that had not fully gone because she had this quite noticeable uh, marked area on, on her lip, which you, you could look at her on, on face value and just think, yeah, that's a, that's a lump. Yeah. But when she actually booked in for the consultation, it, it wasn't a lump of filler. It was a, a loose part of excess skin. Yeah. And that's where the lump was in the first place that had been dissolved. And unfortunately, it had stretched um, whether or not it was some scar tissue or fibrosis underneath, uh, fibrosis tissue, sorry. Um, but it was, um, it was very, very obvious. Um, and unfortunately she needed referring to a plastic surgeon in the end because it made her so miserable. Um, and there was nothing I could do to, to help her or make her better by introducing more filler would have made it more noticeable. There was nothing to dissolve. Um, so unfortunately she did have to go down the plastics route um the other thing that i do see and i always call it the curtain look i don't know if you're aware of that yeah but yeah. if it's um i was when you see people that have had filler injected um or the filler has gone into the the wet dry border so underneath where the teeth where the lip rests on the teeth yeah um you might have somebody that says I've not had any filler for 10 years. In fact, I came across it at, uh, at Julie Horns, um, uh, training in Oslo. Yeah. And when, and this lady had not had filler for 10 years, um, all the models there had to be filler free or not had filler for a long, long time. Yeah. And this particular model came in and said, I've not had filler for 10 years, but, we, as we sort of peeled the lip back, like we always do, I always examine people's lips on the inside, outside, obviously, see yeah. if we can see any arteries and things like that. Um, there was a whole heap of filler sat underneath um, and that was still there 10 years later. Yeah. So yes, it can um, leave problems and no, they're not necessarily always going to go back to how they were. Very much depends on, on the placement of the filler, I guess, and, and, where it was either injected or where it's landed yeah. in its time, potentially, yes, you can have problems. I suppose being professionals, uh, healthcare professionals, uh, that we'd be advised to, you know, refer if we can't do something ourselves, which isn't something someone else may do. They may do, they may say yes to a client, irrespective of whether they can actually do the work or not. And I think one of the differences between someone that 
is trained well and someone that isn't trained well is then knowing when to say no because you can't do everything um, nobody can and you need to rely on specialists to do a particular type of work should there be a need for it so I'm guessing someone that will always say yes to a client is maybe may not the best person to go to if there's a problem yeah definitely wholeheartedly agree with that one okay. yeah I don't think there's any um I don't think there's um I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think the right word what to say there's no shame in saying I, yeah. I can't do that yeah. yeah um you know it's not something I can help you with or not something I can do but I do know somebody who possibly can yeah so you know I think with the contacts that we have as healthcare practitioners we, we can always reach out to somebody and say can you help this lady she's got x y and z yeah. um so yeah definitely no no harm in, in in trying just got to be able to admit your, your own uh, limitations I think yeah Okay, let's go to this next question. We're almost done, Claire, don't worry, we're almost done. <laughs> does filler always eventually migrate and does massaging affect this? I think that was one of your followers that asked that question. Um, it were, uh, migration, what, what, do you, what, what do you think about migration? You know, people will be wondering, what, what's migration? <laughs> you can describe it in terms of duck lips sometimes, can't you, in terms of where the filler is. Um, do you see a lot of problems with clients? I don't think it'll be your own clients. I'm guessing a lot of these will be clients that have come to you from somewhere else. What would you say to them about um, migration and the look that they have with their lips to do with filler migration? What, what would you say about that? I, I do try and encourage anybody who might come to me who's been elsewhere for lip filler um, and I might not know what's in their lips, especially if they're booking for more. Yeah. Um, and if they do present with the obvious migration, which is obviously um, the, the the white area around here starts to look very thick and very puffy. Yeah. It's very, very noticeable when they purse their lips together as well. It's a very, very unnatural look. So if they're actually coming to me for more, I will always discuss what's happened, why they look like they do in the nicest possible way, of course. Um, and yeah. I will turn people away because at the end of the day, I, it will make it worse. Yeah. Um, and yeah. they're walking around that I've just done their lips and it looks like I've been treating them for years and years on end. And yeah. I don't want that either. Um, so I'll always advise them to either stop and um, let it take its course. Um, or I will um, suggest starting all over again. And I have done quite a lot of that. Yeah. Um, so you tend to find with migration that it's people that have had treatments with the wrong type of filler. It's probably been too thick for them, for their, um, for their lip tissue at the time. Yeah. They may have had too many treatments in a very quick succession um they you know they may have been striving to get really big lips um unfortunately it can be quite addictive for some people and they just yeah. strive to get more and more and getting as much as they can um so eventually it your your lips are a, a very small space eventually that filler is going to come out of your lip tissue it's got nowhere yeah. else for it to go yeah. um and that's why you get the migration um and it's really not a like nice look um, and yeah. it almost yeah. make you look like you've got a mustache um yeah. and when you've got a flash on a camera as well when they're taking the selfies 
that's when it's the most noticeable and I tend to find that's when a lot of them do tend to start noticing it then um yeah. I had a couple of women fairly recently who were getting married and as they were um having their trial makeup because the lights were so bright um on the makeup artist mirror they were like oh what's that on my lip and they were you know so I ended up having to sort of retreat them before before the wedding because that's what had happened yeah so my fine fine I think there was one more let me just see if there was one last question do fillers build up over treatments or last longer um I think it's a question of it depends on different things you know same factors as we've talked about before individuals the actual filler fillers can make a big difference in terms of how long they last um certain thickness certain fillers vary in in, the, in how long they last because they're, they're made differently and you could say thicker it's simple description of them the thicker the filler the more longer it's likely to last that's in a basic basic way of describing it um but certain fillers you've got a good idea of how quickly they'll break down because of experience more than anything and when you treat certain types of patients with that particular filler you've got a good idea of how long you think it's going to last under normal circumstances mm -hmm. um but there's things like alcohol smoking you know high intensity exercise all those things affect how long the filler is going to last so what do you say in terms of in terms of that question if someone was going to say you know they've got a certain fill and they've used it successively for a number of times do you think it's going to just last longer and longer each time they get it done what would you say to them um i do i do see some people that um have, have their their lips done and you know they, they come back a year later and, it, and yeah. it's still there yeah. um so it, it does last in in some people um what I, what I do tend to find in most people, the best way to start on a, a lip filler journey is to have your first treatment, which is all about your shaping. And um, I tell them not to expect volume. So that's where we do the shaping definition. Um, try and get the, the shape that we're trying to achieve. Um, and then I'll usually invite them back in about eight weeks to actually add the volume. Yeah. I tend to find if we do it that way, I probably don't need to see them for another sort of six to eight months yeah. at least. Yeah. You will get the odd one if they've got, um, you know, very small lips or um, need a bit more work doing for whatever reason. You will get the odd one that might need to come back again. Yeah. But generally, I do find with filler that you can build upon it. It's almost like if you're layering it on. So your first visit is, is your first layer. Um, I always use the analogy of, of building a brick wall, I suppose. Um, I say to them, you're today for your first treatment, you're here for the foundation. Uh, you can't start a building, can't build a block of flats without foundations. That's yeah. what you're here for. And then obviously, um, if you desire more volume or we need a bit more projection or whatever, um, then we will obviously build upon that. So I do find that, yes, that, that you can build upon filler, definitely, yeah yeah okay i think that's all of them claire we've actually gone through all of the questions um so we've done everything is there anything else you wanted to say at all about about lip filler treatments generally or anything you think clients would be worried about that we haven't covered i think we've pretty much covered everything already um, i think we've bored them to death <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
thing is, we always get questions all the time about lips. So I'm sure there'll be things that, that we'll get questions about individually. I'll get questions about things that yeah. I've not said, and you will, I'm sure. But I think ultimately, I'd say if you, if you trust the person doing the work for you, and you've been happy with the work that they've done for you previously, stick with them. If you're not happy, go somewhere else. It's a question of what you want at the end of the day. If you aren't happy with the lips that you've got as a result of work that someone else has done, then there's people like me and you who can sort problems out to an extent. We can help them um, get hopefully what they're after, but we need to know what they want. And we have to explain whether what, whether we can do that and how we can do it. Um, it's always it's always difficult because everyone's different but if they trust you i think they're more likely to listen to you and be less worried about what you've what you're going to do and how you're going to do it that, that's what my experience has been about doing these things um yeah but i know trust, um sorry go on no no just just trust basically i just think trust is important definitely yeah it, it's your face at the end of the day so most definitely yeah yeah um, another thing that I that has just come to me that I do get asked a lot is do I need a separate consultation before having my lips done yeah. um, no you don't necessarily need one um, but there are some people if it's the first time they want to check out the clinic they want to check out the injector they want to see if they can build up a rapport with you want to know a little bit more about the information um, what the treatment entails so if you do want a separate one, um, people are always very welcome to do that. Um, but you don't necessarily need one because we do offer a full consultation as part of your appointment anyway. So whenever coming to my clinic, they'll have completed a consultation form, um, a consent form. We go through risks, side effects, what to expect, treatment plan, what they want, what I can do. Um, and that forms a huge part of the appointment anyway. Yeah. The injection is actually the, the smallest part of, of the appointment really. So yeah. um, you don't need one, um, but you're very, very welcome to, to come and meet me uh, or one of the other practitioners that works in my team um, if, um, you know, if you prefer. Great. Okay, I think we've covered everything. I don't think there's anything else we've got left to do. Um, I was going to say at some point in the future, we'll probably be um, working together to train other practitioners, I think, in lip augmentation. I think the COVID oh, scenario... In the pipeline. Sorry, what was that? It's in the pipeline. It's in the pipeline, yeah. I think you're, you're busy with leads now, aren't you? Um, so I think that might take up some of your time for a while. But hopefully um, it's something I think we've been thinking about for a while because we both get questions from other healthcare practitioners about providing lip augmentation training to other professionals. So I think it's something we're looking at and we'll probably be providing more info about that over the next few months. Um, but we'll see how things go anyway. But um, but thanks for that, Claire, and thanks a lot for, okay, thank you. for taking part. Um, I'll, um, I'll, I'll probably think of a few other ideas for videos if you want to be involved in them. So um, I'll let you know. But hopefully all our followers will enjoy that and they can always ask us questions that we haven't covered if they want to anyway so um thanks a lot for doing all that and right. um i'll see you again soon claire okay thank you bye, bye.